All right, is there anybody that did not get a hug? We're gonna let Bill Deloach come up there and give you a big bear hug. Yeah. Good to have you guys here today, man. We're just celebrating all that God's doing. We should be through probably about 12 today, Alabama time. So we're just going to have a great time and just praise the Lord that uh, what he's done. We're looking at uh, just bragging on Jesus today because isn't that the truth that there's nothing in us in and of ourselves that can bring any good. How many of you know that today? There's nothing in and of ourselves that can bring anything good to the table. But watch this. In Christ, under the impression, under the power, the influence of the Holy Spirit, Aren't you glad that we can do great things in him? That we can see uh, things just, uh, the, the devices of the enemy just fall to the left and to the right. As we today kind of break into what God has done over this last year, I'm just going to look at three simple, very simple, but I believe to be profound points of reference. Uh, today I want to talk to you about looking back. Our first point today is just looking back at where we've come from. Looking back at what God has done in our life. In fact, isn't that important? One of the good things about looking back is we can go back in our spiritual life. We can go back in our relationships. We can look back into our church. And we can go back to July of 2014, the first time that we gathered in this building, and see where God has brought us from. We can see that. And why? Because if we see where God has brought us from, watch this, we are very quick, and I hope you are, to give God all the glory, all the honor. In fact, somebody in the house just give him praise this morning. You see, when we look back at where we've come from, our immediate response mechanism for a child of God is to give God the glory. In fact, if I look back into my life, even physically in my life, relationally in my life, financially in my life, it really helps me to appreciate where I am today when I go back and survey where I've been. Can anyone attest to that? Aren't you glad you're not the same you used to be? How many of you are not the same today that you were yesterday? Wave your hand at me. See, we should be growing. In fact, if you look into the scriptures, we realize that if we're not growing, guess what we're doing? Y'all say it with me. We're dying. In fact, everything in life has one same parallel. There's a birth of everything under God's creation. We see that in the Ecclesiastes writer. There's a time to be born and there's also a time to die. But watch this, for the child of God, there's a birth, there's a, a climbing in our life, there's a growing phase. Maybe we get to a point in our life where we begin to plateau, we begin to hurt in places that we didn't even know we had. As anybody can relate to that? I joined a class a few weeks ago. I see some fellow classmates, and uh, Tyler's been picking at me. I, I've really been trying to, to get better in shape, really not so much to build or anything like that, but just to feel better and have more energy. So I started going to this class with this lady who really is, is pretty much a beast in human flesh, and she teaches this class, and, and I go in there for like one hour straight, and I had no idea that in one hour you could feel how old you really are. And, and it was funny because, like, after the class, um, I, I went through three classes, a Tuesday, a Thursday, and then a Tuesday. I, I, this past Tuesday, man, I, you know, I had a little, I walked out in the gym, you know, there's this guy over there, and he's like, well, he said, well, you going to lift weights with me? I said, no, I went in the class. <laughs> what class are you talking about? Let me tell you, man. I started telling him about the class and about this beast lady, and I started explaining everything. And, and I looked at him, and my son's standing right there next to me, and I said, you ought to join our class. And Tyler's like going, it's our class now? Really? You've gone to that level already? But you know what, when I, when I look back in my life, you know, and, 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 and I hope that as I do this kind of thing, Lord, God, I hope that I'm not just doing this for nothing, but I hope that I'll be better tomorrow because of what I did last week and the week before. But can I tell you something? That's how we are as a church, isn't it? We look back and survey every point of reference in our church. And I'm going to tell you something. All I can do is just give God the glory because there is nothing in me, nothing in David, nothing in our deacons, nothing in our singers, 
In fact, if I look into that, it's really quick for me to just kind of, you know, help me to also understand where other people may be. You know, sometimes, amen, sometimes in our life, when we get out of something, let's just say God's broken the chain of addiction. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to ask this, answer this question. Has God delivered you out of anything? Has God brought you out of something? See, I'm not just talking about being hopeless and he brings you into hope. I'm not talking about just being broken and he begins to mend you. I'm talking about is there anybody in the house that was dead in their trespasses that he raised you to life in the newness and the hope and he's got a place prepared for you in heaven and he's coming back and he's receiving you to himself. See, that's how we look back. Why? Because here's why, Steve Pierce, because when I can remember, watch this, when I look back and remember where God's brought me from and I give him all the honor and the glory that he is so richly deserving of, watch this, it helps me to be able to associate with people who are still there. Let me tell you something, guys, be careful that we come into this pharisaical religiosity where we walk out of deadness, we walk out of corruption, we walk out of no value in our life whatsoever, complete brokenness, utter helplessness. And watch this, we come out and we go, hey, I have arrived. No, you haven't, lest you fall. Be careful that you not forget that those people who are out there in the world, that's why I love missions so much, Pastor David, because when I walk past people in the street, I see myself and who I used to be in them. And it makes my, my love go so much stronger and fonder for the lostness of this world. Guys, let me tell you something. Two billion people on planet Earth. And you and I have a message that can save them forever and forever and forever. Yet we fold our arms and walk around. Not forget, watch this. We forget where we came from. And yet we lose the association. There went my message. I don't know what I'm going to do now. <laughs> the thing of it is, is it's good to look back, but it also can be bad to look back. Amen? Let me tell you why. Anybody ever looked at one of your old pictures from high school? Anybody ever looked back and went, what was I thinking? <laughs> that day, Stephanie used a whole can of Aquanet hairspray. Anybody remember the days of Aquanet? White rain? Yeah. And I don't know what I was, I looked like the guy off Napoleon Dynamite, Pedro. I don't know if I was going to build her a cake or something. You know, I, I didn't know what, I mean, look, I looked like, oh, there it went, thank God. But it's not always good to look back. In fact, if you look into uh, the book of Genesis and Sodom and Gomorrah, the nephew of Abraham, a man named Lot, did that very thing, didn't he? His wife. God called him out. God said, you know what? I'm bringing you out of destruction. I'm bringing you out of heartache. I'm bringing you out of a putridness that I don't want you. Watch this. I want you to walk away. And he gave him opportunity to bring as many people as he could with him. His own family didn't even come with him except for his wife and his daughters. But, oh, Lot's wife was, was still, there's a longing. See, sometimes when we look back, watch this. We have a longing to go back. Why? Why? Tell me. Does God bring us out of devastation, out of addictions, out of bondage, out of, out of slavery, spiritual slavery, yet we look back into life and we, some, to some degree, just want to go back? Let me say this to you. When God brings you out, you never want to look back. Let me tell you something. To look back, I'm going to tell you that the enemy is, is very divisive. He's very deceptive. And when we look back, there's a longing in our flesh to go back to where we came from. We got to be careful to not look back. When you decide to follow Jesus, it's not good to look back. Some of us today, we need to draw that proverbial line in the sand. 
and cross over and say to this day, from this day forward, I choose Jesus. From this day forward, I choose life. From this day forward, I choose to fellowship with with brothers and sisters. From this day forward, I choose to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and broken world. From this day forward, I choose to not be pious, but to be humble before the sight of God, that I may reach the masses. This day forward, I choose to not forget where I came from, but watch this, but to never look back. Here's why. Because we should set our gaze on the things above. Turn, the Bible says, your affections off of this world and set them on the things above. Here's why. You will never, ever, ever. I preached 138 funerals, and I've never once seen the hearse drive off with a U-Haul tied to it because you're not taking it with you. Hold on to the things that matter in life. When you've been forgiven, oh, the church needs to hear this today. When you've been forgiven, church, don't look back. It's wrong to look back at the wrong in your life and the failures of your life. Let me tell you why. Because the enemy, once again, will bring back to remembrance all that you are not. But here's what I love. The Bible says that when God forgave me, he cast my sin in the the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west. And let me tell you how far that is. It's this far away. See, when he went to the cross, he went with open arms to embrace a sinful mankind, to draw them to himself, that he, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became my sin. Everybody do this. Say my. Everybody say my sin. See, because here's what I think we do sometimes. We think that he died for your sin. Oh, no, no, he died for my sin. Say it again. He died for my sin. You know why? Because now when I go to God and say, hey, God, I need you to forgive me for this because I look back and I remember who I used to be. I remember where I failed you. I remember where I turned left when I should have turned right. And he said, what sin are you talking about? Because he's already forgiven us from the sin. In fact, I don't know if you know this or not. It's not even in the notes. It's free of charge. Do you know that today it's not your sin that prevents you from going before a holy God? Because Jesus is my advocate. He's already gone before me. And when God looks down at my life, he doesn't see my sin. He sees Jesus' blood applied to every aspect and corner of my life and yours as well. But you know what will stop us from going into God's fullness? When we choose to stay where we are today and we don't look ahead at becoming something God wants us to be. You see, if we're not moving forward, we're dying real quickly. We do need to look ahead. We need to look back. And there's some dangers of looking back. But we need to look ahead. Matthew chapter 6, Matthew's gospel. Chapter 6, verses 31 and following. You know what? Sometimes, though, we look ahead with so much anxiousness and so much fear. The Bible says, Paul speaking to Timothy, he says, You have not been given the spirit of fear, but of what? Of power and of a love and of a sound mind. And here's the reality. Some of us, we need to be looking ahead, but when it can be bad, it's when we look ahead with anxiety. We look ahead with fear. We look ahead worrying about what's going to happen. Let me, let me prove this to you. There's times where we have had a friend uh, do something that greatly offended us, and then we got to think, well, we got to deal with that, or we got to confront it, or we got to marry this thing together. And you know what you'll do? Because I do it too. We'll sit over here and we'll think, I'm going to see him today and I know i got to deal with this. And here's what the enemy does. Well, I know that if I go to him and say this, he's going to say this. And then what I'm going to do is this. And I'm going to go ahead and crank the old right hand because I'm in the jack. You know, you already built this thing up so devastatingly terrible when all the while God might just be going before you and it might not be any ounce of issue whatsoever. You might just go to him and say, hey, I heard what you did. I know what you said about me. I want you to know I forgive you. Maybe there's a huge embrace. Maybe not too huge if it's two guys, but there's an embrace and there's a redemption and there's a forgiveness and we move on. But the Bible says that we have built this thing up. In Matthew chapter 6, here's what he said, Jesus speaking. Take no thought for what you're going to wear. Take no thought for what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or for your raiment, for your clothing. 
or even for your life. And he goes on to give you several dissertations about how, uh, you know, even the birds in the air, they don't sow nor do they reap, yet God in heaven feeds them and sees to their need. And then the, the lilies in the valley, you know, they don't, they don't toil or spin, but look how God has adorned them in the beautiful raiment of the, of, the, of the spring morning. You know why? Because God cares about his creation. And sometimes when we're building to tomorrow, we have built up all the possibilities of the negatives that could happen. Does anybody do that out in the church today? Don't we do that? There is a, a lot of conversation right now on social media is about fear because we look into the life that we're living now. We look into our culture. We look into decisions at levels of the Supreme Court justices and we back away and we get fearful. Can I tell you something? God is still on the throne today. Nothing has happened that has taken him by surprise. There is nothing to fear except to know the one who created you, has judged you, has called you by name. That's the only fear we can have is to have a fear and a reverence of God, the one who loves you, who has the key to redemption. That's the fear we need to have. But sometimes looking ahead can become devastating. Jesus was simply saying, seek you first the kingdom of God. And all, everybody say all. Look to your neighbor say all. And all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We quote that and we go, what are all these things? What are you going to wear? What are you going to eat? Bless you. What are you going to drink? Where are you going to sleep? Or even your life. God has already taken forethought for all of those things. And watch this. The thief comes but to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life. And you may have it how? More abundantly. The, listen, if you could sit down with your partners and your friends and, and, and concoct, if you will, the greatest fashioning of your life's unfolding from this point forward, can I tell you something? You wouldn't even scratch the surface of what God wants to do in your life. Yet we worry. And as we plan, we think our businesses will end. We think we won't have enough money. What if they don't come? Let me tell you something. Success is not measured in how many people come. Success is finding the perfect will of God for your life and doing it. That's true for this church. That's true for your life. That's true for your marriage. That's true for raising your children. But guess what? There can be a detriment for not looking ahead as well. Proverbs 29 and 18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. Let me tell you something. If you don't know where you're going, you're very likely not to end up there. If you look into your life and someone asks you, and you should be able to answer for this, where do you want to be spiritually in six months? And if you can't answer that, there's a really good chance that you have made absolutely no plans of action to accomplish the very thing that you want to do. And here's the problem. We have a fantasy world. We want to be closer with the Lord, but we don't want to read his word. We want to be blessed financially, but we want to apply Malachi 3.10, and we want to give God his 10%. We want to see great things accomplished, but we want everyone else to do it. We want to see our church grow, but can I I say this to you? Thank you for all of you guys being here today. But if next week just each of you invited one person, we would move them up to the top. That's how quick the kingdom grows when we all get plugged into what God's called us to do. Amen? And see, the reality is, as we look ahead, we want to be great, but do we want to put forth the effort? Hey, I wish I had his money. Why don't you work like him and you just might? Hey, I want to have a great marriage. Well, then why don't you, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? Wives, why don't you submit to your own husband as unto the Lord? For the husband of the head of the home is Christ the head of the church. 
Hey, I want my kids to be, you know, I want them to be behaved. I don't want them to do this. Well, let me tell you something. Then you need to monitor what comes in and out of their little uh, minds. And you need to be careful what you're investing into them and sowing into them. Because here's the reality, mom and dad. If we're promoting popularity, that's exactly what they're going to get. But the Bible says to have popularity with man means to be enmity with God. See, it's all a choice. We want to be great. We want to look ahead. And let me tell you something. As a pastor of this church, I'm looking ahead. I have already, now the guys that know me the best will tell you that this is true. I already know what can be. But guess what? Even, we just got to sit back sometimes and wait for God to say when it's going to be. See, there's a progress. There's a, there's a system in place. It's called walking in God's divine and sovereign will. But let me tell you something. Nothing wrong with dreaming. Nothing wrong with dreaming big. In fact, here's what I believe. I believe when we start dreaming and expectancy as we move into this next year, why don't we do this? Here's the deal. Worship leaders out there, y'all do a phenomenal job. Thank you for what you do. But you, you could, yeah, amen. But let me tell you something. Do you know when, you know when it will change completely? It's when we, the worshipers, will arise and join the anthems of the greatest song that's ever been sang. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. When we begin to sing that song that never ceases in our homes and in our life, we walk in these doors, doors with the joy of the salvation in our life. You may not even have to sing. I may not even have to preach because the Holy Spirit will be so thick in this place. It won't matter what you say. One guitar. Boom. Praise the Lord. I mean, it'll be all over you because you can't contain the greatness of God in your life let's look ahead with expectancy and then lastly real quick I believe also we need to look back I believe we need to look ahead but I think we need to live in the right now we need to live a life in the right now moment of our life with right now faith there are some of us today that are believing God. In fact, let me, let me ask you this. How many of you are believing God for something huge in your life right now? Just right now, just wave your hand. Look around the room. We're all believing God for something profound. Maybe a mending of a broken relationship. Maybe, maybe some, some financial breakthrough. <clears throat> maybe some spiritual tweaking, <clears throat> tweaking in your life. Excuse me. If you only live in what could be, you miss the right now and become completely ineffective for the glory of God. In fact, the Bible says you're not promised tomorrow. That's why today is the day of salvation. And for our church, can we just agree, can we do this? That God, as we look back, God has done some amazing, amazing things in our, spirit, in our, in our witness. <clears throat> But can we also agree that we've got a long way to go? Can we also agree that we can do things better? Can we also agree that we've not cornered the market on the Holy Spirit, that he is today moving all over this county and other churches? <clears throat> can we also agree that there needs to be unity outside of these walls within the other walls? Can we also agree that you, hey, here's where we really put it in, where we, that you can do some greater things than you've been doing this past year? Can we believe that together? See, the reality is this. Ephesians 5 and 5 and 16 says this. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise men, redeeming the time for the days are evil. How many deer hunters out there? <clears throat> Any female deer hunters out there? Is, what does that mean? <laughs> Seriously? You got the, lo the most precious sneeze I've ever heard in the world. Mine is like everything scatters. <clears throat> 
How many deer hunters out there? You will not find a large trophy buck to the magnitude that Alan Brock kills. And y'all that don't know Alan Brock, you need to go look at in his house. You walk in his house and you start looking for like boots because you think in Bass Pro Shop. He's got all these animals on the wall. It's pretty freaky. <laughs> anyway, I'm kidding. It's awesome. No, it's a little freaky. But he's got these monstrosity bucks in there. Bear, alligator. Oh, yeah. You go sit in the toilet, there's an alligator toilet paper holder. There's not. There should be. <clears throat> um, sorry about that little squirrel moment. But a big buck does not become a big buck because he walked haphazardly into the open. No, no, no. He year after year after year carefully, methodically placed his footing so that he didn't just open himself up until Alan Brock walked in. Because <clears throat> clearly they walk very circumspectly when I go to the woods. Can I get an amen from any of the other men? They're nowhere to be found. Like Bambi walks by and I'm going, what a buck that is. Boom. The reality is this, that's how we need to be as well. Guys, you need to walk carefully. Watch where you place your footing. From a military standpoint, you have to know your enemy. You have to know where you're going. You have to live in the right now. You have to train. You have to believe. You have to pray. You have to, watch this, redeem the time for the days are evil. What if, what if? Here, here's how you can really know what's important in your life. I'll help you do that today. You want to know what's important to your life? Open up your checkbook today and see what you write most of your checks to. That is what you place value in. Can I tell you what else? What are you talking about around the dinner table? That is what you place value in. And then lastly, watch this. What are you doing with your time? What if, watch this, what if today was the last day you had on earth? How would you spend it? Had a brother, he's not here today, that called me uh, yesterday asking to pray for his dad. His dad's having some, some things going on, and, and, he, and he asked me to pray for him. And, 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 and I said, you know, when my father passed away a couple of years ago, prior to that, I started to speak more in my life about redeeming time. Not, not looking ahead to the what ifs. <clears throat> and you know what? Not even looking back and where we failed and where we dropped the ball. Just looking at the right now. Can anybody else relate to that? The right now. Do you know some of us today in this room, and I believe it to be true, it's hard to say this, but it's probably true, that there is probably a few of you sitting under the sound of my voice that if you died today, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. But you need to redeem the time. This moment. And, and, I, and I want to say this as respectfully but yet unapologetically as I know how. Today in our culture, we church shop. We go into churches with the mindset of, all right, let's go in here today, family. Here's what we're going to be doing. Here's our checklist. Kids, you go over there and you check this off. Mama, you go check out the worship. I'm focusing on the preacher. We're going to see how this guy does because we're shopping. We want to see what this church can do for us and for our children and for our marriage. Hey, and in the surface, it sounds like there's nothing wrong with that. But in 1961, a man named John F. Kennedy, Kennedy in his inaugural speech said something that was very much poignant as it pertains to that very mindset. And in the latter parts of his inaugural speech, he said these words, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And then he goes on to say, hey, ask not what America can do for you, world, but what you can do for the greater good of mankind. 
And I want to add to that today. Hey, I get that we need to hold people accountable. We need to look at churches and find out what's going on. Hey, here's here's our instruction manual. manual. This is our mandate. Sometimes we look around and we say, well, I don't don't like this music or I don't like that song or I don't like the way the lights are. I don't like, you know what? At the end of the day, we just want to know that we're preaching the word of God and we're loving people. It's simple. Now, Now, again, I qualify that by going back to what I first said. We can be better. Oh, we could be a lot better. And I pray to God that we get better tomorrow. And I pray to God we get better next Sunday. And I pray together that you guys stay in the fight with me. And if you're not in the fight, you join the fight. And let's join hands and let's say, hey, not on my watch. I'm not going to let this world, this community go to hell in a handbasket because I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be counted. I'm going to speak my voice because let me tell you something. If you don't speak, the 83% of the majority of the United States of America, some 400 million strong, claim to be evangelical Christians. Yet 3% of the nation stands up and says this is what we want and they're saying it louder with more authority and more unity and that's what's happening it's time we take a stand I'm going to close with this rather than asking what can we do for you ask what can you bring to the table at Northridge Church to the kingdom of God to make a difference in the life of a young person, to make a difference in the life of of, of a couple, in a single person, in a person recovering from some, some addiction. There's outlets all over the place. There's a gentleman in this room that, and I'm going to call his name out because I didn't want to embarrass him, but there's a gentleman in this room that, that does a lot of IT stuff and a lot of computer stuff, brilliant guy. And he just, he, he just called me one day and said, hey, man, let me just tell you what I do. I don't know if you know what I do or not. Let me tell you what I do. And <clears throat> when you guys get ready to build your church, hey, maybe, maybe I can help. That's what I'm talking about. Just get involved and go, this is what God has created me to do. Hey, maybe I don't sing, then guess what? Don't sing. Maybe you don't preach, then don't preach. But you know what? You stand out that front door and you shake somebody's hand and say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Or when somebody comes down and gives their life to Jesus, maybe you can get up and come down here and help them and pray with them and encourage them. Maybe you've been through an addiction yourself. Guess what? You need to seek out Ben Daniel and say, hey, I don't even know what you're looking for, but I want to get plugged in because God has delivered me out and I want to help somebody climb out of the same pit that I was in. And you know what else it'll do? It'll bless your heart. It'll bless your life. The apostle Paul had everything. He was a man among men. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He had wealth, multilingual, multicultural, Roman citizen, a Jewish citizen. He was a Pharisee, part of the elite Sanhedrin council. Yet in Acts chapter 9, he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus said these words to him. Hear me. Why, how long will you continue to kick against the pricks, Saul? He was asking him this. How long are you going to run from the calling that's upon your life? That day, Saul's life was transformed by the glory of God. He got up blind. The scales came from his eyes, and he began to preach the gospel. He had killed Christians and was heading to Damascus to rally more. But that moment, God changed his life, not over the course of three or four years, but at that very moment, his life dramatically changed, and he never looked back. Oh, well, Paul was just a swell guy. Oh, no, no, no. Paul was beaten. He was bruised. He was stoned, shipwrecked twice, bitten by a serpent, 
ultimately imprisoned and beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ. Yet the greatest he could say was in 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us a new way, we never give up. We reflect all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We try not to quick or trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and are honest as we know about this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is only hidden from the people who are perishing. Satan may be the God of this world, and he has blinded the minds who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light in the good news. Verse 5, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves or about our church. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we ourselves are servants for Jesus' sake. And watch this. Verse 8, this is his story. We are pressed on every side by troubles, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven into despair. We are hunted down, yet we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that life, the life of Jesus, will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in an eternal life for you. But we continue to preach, watch this, because we have the same kind of faith that was the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God and thus I spake. I believed in God and that's what I said. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus, who raised Jesus in the present and present us to himself together with you, all of this for your benefit, church, as the God of grace reaches more and more people that there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. That is why we can't quit. That is why we can't turn over a new leaf. We have to press on. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and they won't last very long they're but light afflictions yet they produce for us a glory that is vastly outweighs them and will last forever and forever and forever so we don't look at the troubles that we can see now rather we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen for the things which we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever forever to the glory of God for his honor and his work for he alone is worthy what can you do for the church? What can you do for the kingdom? You can make the difference. I will never change this community. I will never change the world. David McGuire will never reach the youth. You have to get on board. You have to join arms with us. You have to pray with us fervently, effectually, and watch God blow your minds, blow our minds together. You own a business? Give it to the Lord. You own some kind of uh, structure? Give it to the Lord. You got a marriage? It's great. Give it to the Lord. You got a marriage that's frustrated? Give it to the Lord. Give it all to Him. It's all His anyway. And guess what? Watch this. When you do that, all those things will decrease and He will increase in you. And you and I can change the world. And we can reach. 24,000 people in this county and it won't stop there and we won't get comfortable with that. We'll live today and we'll press on to tomorrow because watch this, this is our moment to dance. This is our moment to shine. You have been brought into Thomaston, Georgia for such a time as this. It's time to take your place. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Do you know Jesus today? You've heard me talk about him. Do you know him as Lord of your life? 
Mark, I hope so. Mark, I hope I'm saved. I hope I die when I go to when I go, when I die, I go to heaven. Let me tell you something. I don't serve a hope so gospel. I don't serve a, serve a hope so God. I serve a God that says these things have I written to you that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not a hope so doctrine. It's a guarantee that if I call upon the name of the Lord, I shall be saved. Right now, today. If you don't know that, I pray you would right now pray from your heart to God. Not to me, but with me. I'm a messenger today. Prayed the same prayer in 1992, and he changed my life, and he saved me. He redeemed me, and I never got over it. Would you pray with me right now? Say, God in heaven, I believe in Jesus, that he died on a cross for my sin. And I want to ask Jesus to forgive me, to forgive me of all my sin. And even the the sins that I've yet to commit, forgive me. Today, Jesus, save me. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to be a light to shine into a dark world. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray every head bowed and every eye closed. No one moving, no one thinking, no one debating. Just if you prayed and asked Jesus Christ into your heart today without any thought or personal debate. Lift your hand right now. Say, God, I pray. God bless you. Hold them up high. God bless you. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. God bless you. God bless you in the back. Anyone else? Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. If you raise your hand, I want you without debate. No one looking around. We're not going to embarrass anyone. But right now, there are people that want to pray with you and believe God with you. And if you walk forward today and pray, I promise you, you'll walk out of here completely and forever transformed. If you don't, Satan's just going to use it against you. Don't let him have that upper hand on you. If you prayed and asked Jesus in your heart, stand up right now and walk to this altar. You're not joining anything. You're just going to get prayer. Come on, right now. Don't even think about it. Just come. Step out of your seat right now and come right now to this altar. Come on. You can do it. I believe in you today. Take a step forward.